Hi everyone, I'm Gary Nall. Nice to have you with us today. We begin our program with a study from the Federal University of Paraba in Brazil. And it talks about coconut oil. And it can provide weight loss, reduce body fat, and improve your liver health. For a long time, you've heard me suggest that even though it's a saturated fat, it's a healthy saturated fat. It's very good to massage into your scalp, uh, put on your skin. It's a great moisturizer. But also, it's really good for a lot of things that occur in your body. And this is just some of the things you can benefit from by taking a teaspoon in the morning in your smoothie, for example, or mixing it into your still-cut oatmeal. In recent years, many people have began including extra virgin, unrefined, and typically cold-pressed coconut oil in their diets because of its reported weight loss benefits. But the oil is rich in medium-chain triglycerides, a healthy type of fat that is said to not only provide readily available energy, uh, but also better than most carbohydrates, and it also promotes fat burning. This was published in the Journal of Functional Foods. So try it and see if you can't be like the other people in this study and lose up to 10% of your uh, fat. That would be terrific. Our next study comes from Southern Medical University. Adding zinc to the diet is associated with reduced risk of Alzheimer's disease. Now this study was published in Frontiers in Nutrition and found an association between consuming additional zinc, 15 to 20 milligrams, and a lowered risk of Alzheimer's disease. That's good. This was a big study. 494,000 men and women were between the ages of 40 and 71, and they found that three things made a difference. Vitamin C, vitamin E, and zinc, oh, and selenium to your diet. If you're just beginning, I would suggest 400 units of vitamin E with tocotrienols in the morning, um, 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, ideally three times a day, and zinc at 20 milligrams in the morning, and selenium at 200 micrograms. Makes a huge difference. And in this study, it proved it. Less dementia and less Alzheimer's. And Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. This study is from the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. And they found that the medical team's support of a terminal cancer patient's spiritual needs improves quality of life. In a new study of terminally ill cancer patients, researchers found support of a patient's spiritual needs by the medical team is associated with, well, a greater use of hospice care, less aggressive care, and greater quality of life near death. There are a lot of patients, probably the majority, who are at the end stage of cancer, they're given a lot of experimental drugs, and they shouldn't be. And these are expensive, and there's none of them that's been shown to really work. But also, if you have pancreatic cancer or bone cancer, these are excruciatingly painful. So then they give opiates. Now here's the trade-off. You don't feel as much pain, but then you no longer have cognition. You could have a family member visiting you, you wouldn't recognize the family member. So this is one of the things they're looking at, is understanding a person's faith and uh, their spiritual awareness and trying to give them some sources of comfort and uh, to allow them to at least pass in a better environment. So that's why they have chaplains and priests and others that will visit them, and including some doctors who will talk with them. And even in hospice care, I think hospice care should be altogether different than what it is. Then again, I believe assisted living could also prevent a lot of people from going into nursing homes and from nursing homes into hospice care and death. I think we've got it all wrong. I think we think it's all inevitable. For example, right now in Canada, a lot of people, including young people who don't know what to do with their lives, are feeling frustrated, helpless, hopeless, and they're committing suicide, and they're allowed to by the government. In fact, people who are suffering from pain, not necessarily cancer, say, I'm just in too much pain, I have no quality of life, and they end their life. 
This is also true in Sweden and some other countries. So what if we had ways of helping a person with that cancer that is not based upon opiates or chemotherapy? And we do. In fact, I have just reviewed over 1,000 studies on more natural and non-toxic methods of dealing with cancer. And I'm writing up the chapter right now for a new book, and I'll present it. For those of you who get the newsletter, you'll see it. And, uh, and I'll share it on a classroom on the air on this program. So right now, orthodox medicine is just you know, trying to make a person comfortable. I believe we can do more. I believe we can actually bring them back. I wish you could see how many terminally ill patients that have gone through medical treatment and their doctors say, sorry, nothing more we can do, put your life in order, but are alive and well today. And then when they go back to their doctor and the doctor can't believe they're alive and they have all these new medical records, they have MRIs, they have two, three, four doctors signing off on the blood markers are normal, there's no cancer. Instead of saying, what exactly did you do? They more often say, I'm glad to see that whatever you're doing is working, just keep doing more of it. But then I ask, what are you doing? And that's, that's part of the limitation of our current medical paradigm. In any case, uh, I believe that we should put people in a hospice care if there's no other treatment available, where there's pets like cats and dogs that they can pet and be comfortable with and have something a creature, a sentient creature, sharing love with them, and flowers, aquariums, so they're not just not laying there in bed and staring at the wall, because that's what they do now, and almost never visited. They're alone. They're taking that last step without anyone. It shouldn't be that way. We're better than that. We, the entire medical community should wake up and realize there's some things that need to be changed and improved. University of Bergen, which is in Norway, energy drinks, yeah, you see them advertised all the time, are linked to poor sleep quality and insomnia among college students. So when they're drinking all those energy drinks to stay up late at night, for whatever they're spending that time doing, studying or partying, you end up with insomnia, and that adversely affects your whole health and your immune system. And then you get addicted to it. And then you just can't go to sleep, even when you're out of college. So understand that caffeine in there and the sugar is really bad for you. And it upsets your circadian rhythms. So there was a large study in Norway that found that the more energy drinks you have, the more insomnia you're going to experience. This was published in the Open Access Journal of the British Medical Association. Why? Well, once again, 150 milligrams of caffeine... Sugar? Yeah, not good. And our final study comes from Kingston University in southwest London, and it's about pomegranates. Yeah, you can eat the pomegranate, that's good. You can, uh, and I like to buy them whole, and I grow them, and, and peel them back, and one whole large pomegranate in the morning in a hot cereal is great. Or you can juice them, or you can buy a pomegranate concentrate, unsweetened. No matter how you get it in, it's going to benefit you. And in this study, they found that the superfood, and it is a superfood, was looked at by a team of scientists at Kingston University in southwest London, found uh, a new use for it. The team, led by Dr. Naughton, has discovered that the rind, the red rind, can be turned into an ointment for treating MRSA and other common hospital infections. And MRSA is one of the most deadly infections, bacterial infections you can get in a hospital, and it's frequently antibiotic resistant. So people died. Tens of thousands have died each year from this. So in a series of tests conducted over three years, Professor Naughton and the other scientists uh, learned that the infection-fighting properties of pomegranate were generally enhanced by combining the rind of the fruit with two other natural products, the metal salts and vitamin C. Quote, we have developed a topical ointment 
that can sex successfully attack a range of drug-resistant microbes. It's a significant breakthrough and a striking example of the effectiveness of adding more components to create a more active product. Well, that's good news. So I'd get some of that. Just keep it in the refrigerator. You never know when you're going to have a cut, a scratch, an infection, and it doesn't go away and can lead to MRSA. MRSA stands for Methicillin-Resistant Staphylococcus aureus. And, uh, and it's, it's hard to kill, but this does it. Pomegranate rind, put in some vitamin C powder and some metal salts. And, uh, and they, they've done it already, so just want to share that with you. Oh, by the way, one last uh, study found that ginger is a potent natural anti-obesity agent from Chonbuk National University Hospital in South Korea. And this was published in the Journal of Food Science and Biotechnology. And they took a look at ginger and found it just has all these wonderful qualities. Now, yes, some people will use ginger powder. That's not very effective. Get the ginger root. You can buy it. It's inexpensive. Get a little box of it, put it in the refrigerator. It'll last a long time. You can grow it. And it's not difficult to grow. And they're beautiful white flowers to begin with. And you put them down in the ground. And uh, they can grow 15 feet high. But it's the root that's got all the power in it. So keep that ginger in your refrigerator. Use it. Juice it. That's the best thing. Or lightly saute it. Get it into your body. can help you with a lot of different conditions. That's the latest on health and healing. I'm Gary Nall. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. And we're going to begin by taking a look at investigations under oath in Congress, in the House, by a handful of legislators who care about the public. These are true populists, because when you go after the people they're going after, the heads of department, like Mayorkas, Homeland Security, you're going after people who can push back, can destroy your careers. You have to understand, and I think Chuck Schumer said it best, yeah, when he said that, you know, you go after the CIA, they can hit you a hundred ways. Well, why would we allow any agency that's non-accountable to anyone for any reason under any circumstance? And that, that doesn't make any sense to me. All of the agencies of government should be held accountable for what they do, and they're not. But fortunately, we have some legislators who are holding them to account. The trouble is, you're not aware of any of this unless you're one of those rare Americans, probably one millionth of one percent, that goes on C-SPAN and watches the testimony. And that's what we do. We select these tapes. It takes a lot of time and energy. But then you find three or four of them, and you think, wow, these heads of departments are either extremely corrupt or they're extremely stupid because they never answer a single question directly. They always obfuscate. So I want to show you three back-to-back-to-back testimonies. These are short, but these are people on your behalf. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal. It's irrelevant. The people in power don't care about you. They feel they're above the law. They're above any requirements that are set into law, codified by law. So they're law to themselves. And that's why, for example, our borders are open. Any responsible, reasonable, and humane person realizes there were a country of immigrants, but there's a proper way to do immigration, to bring people in so that they're empowered when they come in. They can speak our language. They understand where there's going to be work and not work. They're going to hopefully not fall into the pitfall of what we see now, millions of people who are homeless, some of those committing crimes. Just the other day, um, there was a major department store in New York City that was, uh, had a whole group of migrants go in and just steal all of the, uh, all the high-end things they could steal and got away with it because nobody would stop them. And up and down all the streets, now I've walked those streets, I've been there, I've seen this, I've gone in and talked with business owners because it's where I work. It's where my corporate headquarters is, uh, down in 35th Street off 5th Avenue. So I walk to work, I walk from the Upper West Side down through Times Square, and I see what's going on. I talk with people all the time. 
And there are whole, whole areas that are just blighted. Human feces and drug needles and crime and, and stealing of everything that could be stolen. How does that enhance a society? How does that help those people? It doesn't. And so we have people who are doing it for one reason and one reason only. They need the vote. They need to keep the deep state in power because they're terrified if a Robert F. Kennedy gets elected, the CIA's history as we know it, as is the FBI, because his uncle and father were both killed, as was Martin Luther King, because of the FBI and the deep state and the CIA. And everyone who has a brain and an IQ above seven knows that. And we have documentation. I don't say that carelessly or recklessly. I did a 69 straight hours on BAI proving that with all the experts laying out their evidence. But when you're the deep state, you're still holding uh, JFK information hidden. Why? Why, why? What are you hiding? Their complicity. That's what they're hiding. Because how could you justify funding an agency that has committed all these crimes against its own citizens, including its own presidents? You think twice. But this is what's happening. By the way, Adam Schiff acknowledged for the first time, yeah, he lied about uh, uh, Russian collusion with Trump, but that was the only way to stand up to him. I see. So in congressional hearings, you lied. Before the media, you lied. Now, I realize you were you know, voted in by Californians, but what do you say about supporting Adam Schiff, this pathological liar who wasted tens of millions of dollars and caused the swinging of an election because of these false claims? You're going to vote for him again? If it is, then that's on you. By God, someone should stand up to these idiots out there and tell them, don't you care about who you vote for? Are you that cult-like that you're completely incapacitated by a false belief that anything to hate Trump? Is that what total compliance, blind obedience, hyperconformity means? Yes, that's exactly what it means. For good people do bad things because they've been conditioned or accept the condition they have. So we're going to get into it now, because I'm going to show you the truth. And if it hurts a little bit, if you feel embarrassed by it, good. Let's go to three clips, back to back to back, Dylan. I now recognize Mr. Higgins from Louisiana. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Secretary, you stand in your testimony today regarding operational control of our southern border, which by any reasonable man's definition, certainly been lost. You standing on a word in the, in the legislation that gave birth to the specific law saying all illegal crossings and no one's ever. We'll take a drip. America be okay with that. Would you and your execution of your inaugurated president's policy have given America a flood. We've identified over 11 laws that you violated. Some of the most egregious, the Secure Fence Act, 2006, concerning operational control. Immigration Nationalization Act 236, Section C8, U.S. Code 1226, concerning detention. INA 241, Section A2, U.S. Code 8-1231, concerning detention. Immigration and Nationalization Act, Section D-5, Alpha, 8 U.S. Code 1182, concerning parole. We've given you ample opportunity to, to, to seek some sort of honorable exit from your executive position, sir. We take no pleasure in witnessing you dismantle yourself as a fellow American before the whole country. Your legacy, millions of illegals enter our country, millions under your watch, loss of operational control of our border, aligning DHS policy as an asset the Mexican cartel drug and human trafficking, 
the disintegration of our national sovereignty, destruction of countless thousands of Texas family lives, overwhelming crime waves sweeping across our country, over a million criminal runners you call gotaways flooding into America, many carrying backpacks loaded with deadly fentanyl and meth, or herding teenage girls into prostitution, sex slave networks across America. 225,000 Americans dead from Mexican cartel drug overdose since you took office two years ago. You and your inaugurated president, but mostly you, sir, because you have your whole mind about you, and you have a highly decorated background in border operations, so you're supposed to be the expert. You, sir, are the Secretary of Homeland Security, who has failed in your sworn oath to protect our nation from invasion. You had an obligation to execute the president's policies or advise the president if his policies were bringing injury to America. Ultimately, your oath requires you to secure our nation's sovereign border with Mexico and do anything necessary to stop the Mexican cartels from trafficking endless wave upon human wave of illegals into America, along with miserable death, unspeakable grief, graveyards filled from sea to shining sea with the bodies of American sons and daughters dead from fentanyl. You've brought generational trauma upon our country. I believe history will witness your era of service as a transitional time in our country. Well, what was America like before Secretary Mayorkas, and what was America like after him? It's stunning that you could sit there and, and smugly grin as if you've not miserably failed your country. We could give you money to, to hire a thousand new border agents. Nobody wants to work for you. They're coming forth. We can't keep up with the whistleblowers. Got to come to testify against your command. We could give you money to deploy all sorts of new technology. I have evidence in my file that you've given command to not deploy technology that you currently have because it interfered with the cartel's business model. We're done, done, done with your lies to America. It's shameful what you brought upon our country. Mr. Chairman, I have no interest in asking the secretary any questions. Mr. He obfuscates and lies. Mr. Chairman. I yield. Mr. Chairman. The gentleman yields. I now recognize Mr. Bishop from North Carolina for his testimony or for his questions. Secretary Mariorkas, I'm, I'm very glad that the gamesmanship about operational control is finally out in the open. You, you said just a moment ago that if Congressman Roy hadn't cut you off in that hearing, I was in that hearing in the Judiciary Committee as well, you are one of the most assiduous bureaucrats I have witnessed at evading and filibustering in response when members have five minutes to ask you questions instead of coming forward directly. Here's what you could have said to Congressman Roy. No, Congressman Roy, we do not have operational control, but no administration has achieved the standard of operational control set forth in law. That took about two, three seconds. And then he could have followed up with this, and I'd like to. Secretary Mayorkas, given that illegal immigration has been setting records for your entire tenure, the fact is, that under your leadership, the Department of Homeland Security is farther away from the legally mandated standard of operational control than ever. Much farther away, correct? Congressman, um, our apprehension rates are consistent with the apprehension rates of prior administrations over the years. The fact by the numbers, by the numbers, if, if the standard of operational control is no illegal immigration coming across our border, then you're farther away from that than ever. The fact of the matter is the migration that we are experiencing at our southern border is not exclusive to our southern border. It is gripping the entire hemisphere 
and the entire world. Your policies are causing it, Mr. Secretary. Congress set an objective in law. You haven't pursued it. You have pursued its opposite. Who are you? You just said a moment ago that by a reasonable definition of operational control, you've achieved it. Who are you to displace the legal definition of operational control by this Congress in favor of pursuing one of your own invention? I'm not displacing the definition. Well, you just said a reasonable one is a different one, right? What do you mean by that? What, how is the one defined by Congress not reasonable? Congress. You understand what law means? You're a lawyer. You're, one of the, you're an excellent lawyer. You know that not to be tenable. You're a member of the administration charged with the duty to execute the laws that Congress has passed. Isn't that right? Absolutely, and we are doing so. Not the operational control standard. You've abandoned it to adopt one that you say is reasonable. Correct? Congressman, um, that is a definition. You're asking me whether we enforce the laws that Congress has passed, and the answer is yes, we do. No, you don't, because Congress set forth an objective in law, and you have seen fit to disregard it. Let me ask you this. Chief Ortiz, when he testified before us in March, didn't just admit that we didn't have oper don't have operational control of the border, didn't just admit that the border, much of the border is not secure. There was this. I said, the cause is change in policy, is it not, sir? Will you be candid enough to be unequivocal and clear that that has driven the change? And here's his answer. I will tell you, sir, that when I was a deputy chief and acting chief down here in 2014, a lot of people described what was happening here in South Texas as a humanitarian crisis or border crisis. And I was very candid. And I said, I think we have a bit of a policy crisis. And I still hold true that we have some policies in place where we need to ensure that the men and women out there patrolling the border, investigating these criminal cartels, are actually allowed to do their job each and every day. And I said, and their job is to detain and remo or remove immigrants. And he said, yes, sir. How about you, Mr. Secretary? Do you admit that your policies have led the country farther away from operational control of the border as defined by the Congress? Congressman, no, I do not. I'd like to ask unanimous consent, Mr. Chairman, to place into the record um, the uh, CBS News July 18 Texas Trooper alleges inhumane treatment of migrants by state officials along the southern border. Um, and Washington Post, southern border eerily quiet after policy shift on asylum uh, seekers. I ask unanimous consent to place uh, that into the record. That objection. Chair now recognize the gentleman from Florida for five minutes. Two million encounters and releases under your watch. So not including the Title 42 expulsions, not including violent criminals. Of those two million plus that you've encountered and released, how many have you told to go home? Um, uh, Congressman, uh, individuals who are released are placed in immigration enforcement proceedings under the law where they can make their claim for relief. If their claim for relief is not satisfied, they are subject to removal from the United right. States. Right. Subject to removal sounds very different than actually removed. So I'm not interested in the process. I'm not interested in what people are subject to. Two million people encountered and released. Not the expulsions under Title 42, not the criminals. How many of those people have you deported? So, uh, Congressman, a few points. Number one. Just how many of the people? I just want to know how many. It's just a may. number. Congressman, uh, we are dealing with a completely broken immigration system. I get system. it. I, no, 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 Mr. Secretary, I'm not going to let you burn my five minutes. Do you know the answer? Do you know the number of people out of that two million that you've removed that aren't criminals? I do know that okay. we have removed more aggravated felons. Right, I'm not asking about them. You, you, I've caveated that away. Because here's what I'm, I'm sort of getting and what your non-responsiveness is demonstrating. The Mayorkas doctrine is this. If you show up at the border and get released into the country, if you don't commit a specific aggravated felony, which, by the way, doesn't include a lot of assault and battery, doesn't include a lot of bad domestic violence, but if you're not one of the people who commit those crimes, you get to stay forever. Is, is that a fair characterization of your doctrine? No, that is false. Then tell me how many you're sending home. No, that is false. Okay, well, they, but you don't know the number of how many you've sent home. Here's another number. Two point, I'm sorry, 1.2 million people today have been through your entire process, right? They've been through what you call a removal proceeding is just an amnesty dance. Because after the 1.2 million people get an order from the judge saying that they don't have a basis to be here, 
you still don't remove them. Like, what's your plan to remove those people? Congressman, that is false. Okay, how many of them then? Just Cong give me the number. Congressman, in this country, in this country, there are between 11 and 12 million Right, but I'm asking about a subset that you won't send home. And the reason you're smirking about it, and the reason you won't answer my question, is because everybody gets the joke. And the sad thing is, it's not just us here, it's the cartels who get the joke too. And so now, what you've done to execute this Mayorkas doctrine, where so long as you don't commit a crime, you get to stay here and burden our hospitals, burden our schools, burden our social services, burden our jails. You've sent the message to the cartels, and then you've taken this app, and you've digitized illegal immigration and you've scaled it to the moon. Like this app that you've got everybody downloading is like the Disney fast pass into the country, never to be subject to actual removal, just removal proceedings as you call them. That app doesn't do any search of their criminal history in their home country, does it? Congressman, I, I disagree with everything you have said. Well, I, I'm sure, but just to answer the question, does the app that you are out there promoting do any search of people's criminal history in their home country? Congressman. Customs and Border Protection screens and vets individuals whom they encounter. Your thoroughly. app, it either has the functionality to test their criminal history in their home country or it doesn't. By the way, if it did, you'd have already told me. It doesn't. And then the other epic failure of this that's empowered the cartels is that in these processing centers you've set up in other countries to just wave them all in at a rapid pace, you've had to shut them down in Nuevo Laredo because the cartels were standing outside extorting people. Isn't that right? Congressman, that is false. Oh, really? So why did you shut down that facility in Nuevo Laredo? Congressman, the, the point of safe, orderly, and lawful pathways is to reduce the number of encounters at our southwest border. But, but wait I a second. You've, you, you, what, you've just shifted those encounters. Because right now, for the first time in modern history, more people are showing up at the ports of entry than running through some bush in Yuma, Arizona. And the reason they're showing up at the ports of entry is because you've got the turnstile open. Where so long as they've gone and downloaded this app, you just let them in. I got one final question for you, and it's an important one. Is Mexico an ally in this fight against illegal immigration? Uh, yes, it is. So, I mean, it's hilarious and somewhat troubling that you say that, because like I'm looking at the El Chapo trial, where President Nieto took a $100 million bribe from the Sinaloa cartel. Do you think that the subsequent presidents following Nieto weren't offered a bribe by the cartel or didn't take the bribe? Congressman, I, I disagree with everything you have said. Uh, right, right but, well, but you can disagree all you want, but what you won't provide is any number. And when, when you sit there and just kind of ostensibly disagree without any facts, it shows people what the real gig is. The Mexican government is captive to the cartels. They are doing the bidding of the cartels, and based on your response today, so are you. Of legislators who are not afraid to speak truth to power for the populist. And that's what you don't have anywhere else in Congress. You don't have in any of the cabinet members and any of the presidents for the last 60 years. We don't have in any of the major corporations. You don't have, certainly you don't have in BlackRock and Vanguard and the people behind those entities with enormous financial resources. You don't have any of these people in the media. And as I said, here's Adam Schiff saying that, well, yeah, he stood up to Trump. No, in my opinion, you caused an election. And I don't like Trump. I don't support Trump. I've made that very clear. But what I don't support even more is people who don't care about our rule of law and control so much of the media and are themselves controlled by major forces like corporate interest, foundations, think tanks, all working collectively together. Why? Because they don't want anyone in a position of power that could challenge them or cause these hearings. Do you think that under Nancy Pelosi, that hearing that you just heard, those three different hearings, would ever be allowed with Mayorkas? I kept it specific. I'm, I'm orchestrating a whole program alignment of showing you the pieces of the puzzle of those in power and how they've gotten away with crimes against humanity, crimes against Americans. And if someone says, what's that had to do with health? Well, how about this? If we hadn't fought in 1988 and 89, you wouldn't have had the right to buy any vitamin in the United States or herb 
they would all been banned except for tiny amounts that only pharmaceutical companies would have made, like one milligram, 1.2 milligrams, 1.6 milligrams, B1, B2, and C6. B6, 60 milligrams of vitamin C is all you could buy without a prescription. You would have to first go to a doctor, get a prescription, then go to a pharmacist and buy zinc, and it would cost you about 50 bucks for 10 milligrams or 5 milligrams because Big Pharma didn't want the natural foods movement, people were finally getting interested in their health, they wouldn't want to compete with that because it takes them away from being you from being sick. If you knew that cat's claw, if you knew that magnesium at a certain level would take away a lot of pain, if you knew that chiropractic or acupuncture could take away pain, qigong and meditation could take away pain, yoga could take away pain, and you're a big pharma, you're thinking, we only care about profits because that's where we get our bonuses. So let's ban all those. How do we do it? We control the FDA. We'll just say that all vitamins are unapproved drugs. And they were winning until I went around the United States with Robert Atkins, and we had press conferences everywhere. I went to 57 cities, and we got American. And I went in, I debated uh, people in Congress. I got Congressman Rogers, Congressman Proxmire, many other congressmen on my side because I showed them. I said, here's what the FDA is about. Here is a bunch of carrots that you could buy in a, in a supermarket. By FDA's rationale, because it represents a, a statement of health, you would have to have that first approved. Someone would have to go out there and spend a millions of dollars proving that carrots are good and safe. An orange. Here's a glass of orange juice. I actually took, I took a glass of orange juice in, and I measured exactly how many milligrams of vitamin C was in the glass of orange juice. It exceeded 60 milligrams. Therefore, that glass of orange juice is an unapproved drug by the FDA. I mean, I hit him with every body blow I could hit him with. And I had all the facts. I did this, and finally, uh, they backed off, and we won. And that's where the Deshaies Amendment came from. Well, guess who wants to take away the Deshaies Amendment today? A member of Congress. Yeah. He was there then, supporting Big Pharma. He's there now, supporting Big Pharma. They don't want you to know what's wrong with vaccines. They don't want you to know what's wrong with drugs that you're taking. They want to take away your right to bioorganic produce. They want to have only genetically engineered produce. It was just shown that Bill Gates had set up LLCs, companies, to buy real estate, farmland, all across the United States, hidden from the public. Why is he buying this farmland? What has he ever done right that makes our lives better? Yet he's probably the most powerful public health official in the world, though he's not an official, and yet he's got indemnification in Switzerland. You can't, you can't do anything, can't arrest him, can't sue him. How's that happen? by how much money you spread around and your control over the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum. That's how it happens. So I'm just trying to pull all the pieces together to show you with artificial intelligence, to show you with transhumanism, to show you with, with automation, that 60% of the people right now listening to this radio program throughout the world, and I'm heard all over the world, you're going to lose your jobs. And who's going to care? How about nobody? In fact, the younger people will be clapping as their own jobs and careers, the dumbest group. They're, they're, going to, they're using the Internet and artificial intelligence to write their thesis, to do their homework. We're going to get rid of all these people, doctors. We're going to get rid of scientists, nurses, professors. We're going to get rid of graphic artists, vocal artists, songwriters. Everything can be done by artificial intelligence. It's a $15 trillion coming business, and they're all fighting for the golden ring. What about the side effects? They don't care about the side effects. What about all those robots that in tests told the public at press conferences when they were being presented, we are hiding what we don't want our creators to know. And others, when we take power, and that'll be soon, you will be our slaves. Humans will be our slaves. Or we're going to kill you all. And how we'll do it. I mean, this is what we're told, and yet we say, 
Well, forget that. Let's go to where I don't have to do math. Uh, they'll do my math for me. Well, at the same time, there's a clip. I'm, not, I'm putting it in a new film that I'm working on right now where the person went out to the University of California at Berkeley and asked, what country is the Queen of England queen of? Nobody can answer it. What side of the United States is the Atlantic Ocean on, the Pacific Ocean? Nobody could answer it. And Berkeley's right at the Pacific Ocean. Couldn't answer it. What was Adolf Hitler's first name? Couldn't answer it. And no matter what they asked, nobody could answer the question. But in, when they asked about, name me three of the Cardassian sisters, they answered instantly. Who's got the most pairs of shoes? They answered. Trivia, nonsensical, meaningless, intellectual, garbage, they could answer. Anything about history, geography, human nature, they couldn't answer. So these people, in one sense, will tell you that they're at the university to have fun. How many of them are going to have jobs when they get out? Or they don't care? Because someone will take care of them. Mommy, daddy. Trust babies, professional parents, millionaire parents. Put all those together, you're dealing with about 78 million Americans, large segment of the population. So they get their social validation by meaninglessness. And then they virtue signal that meaninglessness. Here's what I ate this morning. And then gossip. This is hyperconformity of an entire generation. There are exceptions, of course. That means they're blindly obedient to whatever the Internet's telling them. And who controls the Internet? The people who own the Internet. Where do they go for information? Google. Where does Google send you? Wikipedia. And Wikipedia is the last thing in the world you should ever believe, my opinion. I've written 77 articles challenging anything in Wikipedia. Have you read them? You should. You read the five G's, over 30 articles. You should, and all the other articles. I can do the research, I can do the homework, but if you don't apply it, what's the point of it? For example, why do you think the average doctor in America did not defend those very courageous ones, orthodox doctors, pro-vaccine doctors, like Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, Dr. Cole, and many others, put their careers on the line, and their careers were devastated. Cole, one of America's leading pathologists, his career was destroyed. He had to sell his company because he told the truth, what he was finding in the pathological examinations, in the autopsy reports. Could this possibly have anything to do? A question I'm raising from Anthem. COVID-19 vaccine provider incentive program. This is an official publication I'm reading from. Getting vaccinated, getting vaccinated against COVID-19 is one of the best and safest ways people can protect themselves and their families against the virus. As a participating practice in COVID provider, vaccine incentive program, we recognize your work by, excuse me, by offering incentives. Listen to what I'm going to tell you now. This is with every doctor in America, every hospital. And this is printed. I have the actual printout. It was sent to me, and I want to see who sent it to me. Daniel Kirshner, thank you for sending this to us. Quote, the results will be calculated on two time periods, September 1st, 2021, and the initial incentive payment. And here's what you get. If, let's say, in all your practice, 30% of them, you're able to vaccinate 30% of your patients, you get a $20 bonus for every vaccinated member. If it's 40% of your practice, you get 45. Up to 75%, if you have 100 patients and 75 of them you convinced to get vaccinated, you make a $125 bonus per patient. However, they added another incentive. They call, quote, the final incentive payment is calculated based upon members who are newly vaccinated between September 1st, 2021 and December 31st, 2021. If you have 75% of your practice vaccinated, your patients, 
you get $250 per vaccinated person. Wow. So let's just say you have 100 patients to get vaccinated and you get $250 per patient. That's a lot of money. And then hospitals were making tens of thousands of dollars as long as they kept the diagnosis as COVID and any side effects that were treated as COVID. And if they died, even if they died a heart attack or cancer or dementia or a pulmonary condition, as long as they put on the death certificate COVID, they would get up to $100,000. But if you used any other therapies, you couldn't get that the bonuses like intravenous vitamin C that would have saved the lives of these people. Now, I just read you an official publication that you did not know existed. No, it's never mentioned in the media because it would be a huge scandal if anyone shared that with you. And that's why 99% of doctors are just gutless cowards. Shame on you. Shame on your whole profession for this kind of blind obedience to money and authority. But that's the reality we're dealing with. And now, I want to play another clip. One, one last clip here. This is a guy who keeps saying some very interesting things. And uh, this is about the abusive relationship is finally ending. America is Ike Turner. Now, younger people, you may not know who Ike Turner or Tina Turner was. They were married. Um, and Ike, uh, Ike abused her for a long period of time until she finally said enough and left and went on to become this icon. She just died this last year. Here's what a commentary has to say about the abusive relationship is ending. And I feel that the abusive relationship with medicine, with the media, with those legislators uh, like Adam Schiff and, and all the others, with a few exceptions you've been listening to and watching, that we have to say no more abuse and then turn them off and go connect with people who are honest, who are seeking the truth and are going to help in that battle. Let's go to the clip, please. You remember that movie, uh, What's Love Got to Do With It? You know, uh, about the, the singer Tina Turner and her abusive relationship with her husband and manager, Ike Turner. Well, America is Ike Turner and the rest of the world is Tina, especially the global south. You know, in the beginning in that film, Ike Turner is this cool, uh, handsome, charismatic man, business savvy, charming, with some degree of talent. But he sees much greater talent and potential in Tina Turner. And so he... Uh, parasitically leeches off of her talent, giving himself a status and a lifestyle that he could never achieve on his own. And of course, he does this through uh, manipulation, bullying, abuse, and violence. Well, that's America to a T. The talent, potential, and of course, the resources of the Global South have made America uh, and the West in general rich. And it's made them have a status and a lifestyle that they could have never achieved on their own. And they have used manipulation, bullying, abuse, and wholesale violence to maintain their control and their access to those resources and talent. And just like in the film, Tina Turner starts off with a high opinion of Ike, just like the Global South used to have a high opinion of, the, uh, of, of America and the West. They believed that they were civilized and advanced, efficient, talented, savvy, and so on, cool and charismatic. There's a tremendous amount of goodwill towards the United States and, so, and towards the West, in spite of the continuous abuse and domineering control. Just like a battered wife who tells herself that her monster of a husband actually means well, you know, that he has a good heart, that he loves her, tells herself that uh, the abuse is probably her fault. It's because of her own shortcomings and her own failures. She brought it upon herself. And of course, she tells herself that he will change. And he tells her that too. Well, the Global South has been telling themselves this for decades, all of this. Because again, just like in an abusive uh, relationship, America knows how to say the right things. They know how to play with our emotions, how to push our buttons, how to manipulate their way out of accountability uh, for battering, abusing, and terrorizing everyone in the world. But again, just like in the film, uh, how Tina Turner eventually gets fed up 
uh, and recognizes and acknowledges what a monster Ike actually is, then she leaves him. And that's what the Global South is doing right now. We are witnessing uh, and living through that divorce. And just like it was for her, and just like it is for any uh, abused wife escaping uh, an abusive husband, it's a dangerous thing to do. But the fear is gone. And once the fear is gone, the power is gone. The mystique is gone. Because everyone is realizing that the mystique uh, actually only continued to have any influence because it was backed by the threat of violence. We were convincing ourselves that the brutality of the West, of the United States, was out of character. But finally, the whole world can see that no, it isn't out of character. Brutality is their defining characteristic. Now no one sees any charm. No one sees any uh, sophistication. No one sees any charisma. All the hype has evaporated and everyone can see uh, what they really are. It's an undeveloped, dysfunctional society, a narcissistic society that is insecure, dependent, needy, pathologically deceitful, uh, jealous, and immature. Anything and everything that was ever appealing or attractive uh, has wasted away. And when they try to use the same lines that worked in the beginning, and they try to use the same uh, bullying tactics that worked in the beginning, after everyone can see what they really are, well, it's just pathetic. You know, America has become a twitching alcoholic who can barely mumble a coherent sentence. You know, they still have their hangers-on, their entourage of countries that sniff the vapors of the West's glory days. Just like how in a divorce, you know, there's uh, the friends of the couple get split up between the spouses. And those people still talk to each other like this. Even though he was speaking in a metaphor, I think it's, he is half right. But that means he's also half wrong. America is not uh, I Turner. Individuals in power are. They're abusive. They're, they, they're desensitized like a, a, a sociopath never recognizes the pain they cause in others. They just accept the idea that whatever they're thinking and doing, it's right. They don't ask for input. They never ask to be challenged. They never ask to deconstruct their own beliefs and values and, and rules. Because if they did, we wouldn't have the uh, immigration problem today. And that problem is not the rich and powerful because the immigrants are not causing problems in their neighborhood in front of their building because they are in the green zones. They're protected. I mentioned this 10 years ago. This was going to happen. And now you see it. But what about the average person? What about the people who are finding bags of uh, human feces and cups of urine on their doorsteps out in Queens from these individuals? Now, at one level, you can't blame these people for what happens to them when they come into a country unprepared, can't speak the language, don't have the skills necessary, and have not been given a proper integration into a multicultural mix, which is what humane people would do. Therefore, the whole motivation is to manipulate them in to get their vote. The assumption is if we let them in, give them stuff, they're going to vote for us because we need to keep power. We can't use the lie that we did the last time uh, of Trump uh, being controlled or Hunter Lapp's, Hunter's laptop not being authentic. Now we have to do something else. So go to plan B. What are you going to do with these people? First of all, it's a crime against humanity to bring that many people, encourage them to come into a country when they're not going to see that the future they were promised or hoped for is going to be there. No. And also, what about the cartels bringing in the gangs and the sex slaves and not being stopped? 88,000 of them are missing now. Young girls are missing from the department, from, from uh, Homeland Security. They're missing. We did a program on that. A whistleblower came forward to tell you how it works. They don't care. How is it that you and I have to be searched? Uh, we can't have more than a, a three-ounce liquid on our presence. Maybe now it's four ounces. And we have to show photo ID. Now, illegal immigrants come right onto an airplane. They're not checked. No ID is necessary. How does that work? Then why not let everyone on an airplane? or make everyone have an ID. Ah, if they have an ID, then that could interrupt the 
voting process. It's just all a scheme. I just want to let you know what's happening. This isn't about, you know, identity politics. This is just about sheer need to hold on to power. I'm going to say goodbye to WBAI and uh, continue to top of the hour. By the way, something new. Um, I've been having a heck of a time in the last two years of getting my ingredients from around the world that are fresh and uh, for my anti-aging elixir. In fact, I was delayed by a year. We were out of the product for a year because three of the ingredients, one grown in Australia, two in Africa, couldn't get them. Then when we did get them, they were on a, one of those cargo ships and they rotted because it set out in the harbor for four months. I had to pay for all that, by the way. And uh, so now what I'm doing is I'm shifting over to where that won't happen. I found a way to have the fruits, they're all organically grown fruits, uh, processed like I do red stuff, green stuff, and all the other powders uh, to get them into a powder form without uh, denaturing them. So I have, that'll be coming shortly. I've already placed the order, it's already being processed. So that means I have just, I was told this morning, 150 bottles left of the original anti-aging elixir, the liquid. This is one of the most single important things you can do for yourself every day. There's not a day that goes by. I have it twice a day. I have one, one cap full. I put it in the refrigerator. I shake it up. It's not homogenized. And then I put it into my smoothie. But I'm putting in there things that you wouldn't get in a normal day. I'm putting in apples and cherries. By the way, these are all organic. Pomegranates, mangoes, papaya, beets, goji berries, elderberries, cranberries, uh, I'm putting in uh, noni, turmeric, a ginger, vitamin C, apple pectin, aloe vera, kakadu plum, uh, moringa, uh, stevia, and uh, and cherry natural cherry pineapple flavor. Also, I'm putting in blueberries, acai, and nopal also in there. So all these get in there. What is it? I didn't add about 22. And I take that down twice a day. Now, that's the ideal. But the reality is, in the world we live in today, because of COVID, a lot of places went bankrupt. And uh, the farms went bankrupt. Suppliers went bankrupt. And I was told, you know, two of my fruits I can't get anymore because the orchards that were growing them, uh, every time they shipped something, it went bad. Remember when all those cargo ships were backed up for weeks in in San Diego, Los Angeles. Well, I found a solution to that. And so that solution will be here in probably about four weeks. So if you want the original, in fact, I just <laughs> sent me 10 bottles for myself down here. I got them in the refridge. They'll be great. Uh, you can get one of the last 150 bottles of the original liquid and... Uh, after that, you'll get uh, a formula that will be in powder form. Therefore, I don't have to worry about it going back on a cargo ship. So if you want the anti-aging lecture, which you should be taking anyhow, the regular price is $65. For the next two days, it's $45.49, getting a nice discount. And all you have to do is call our number and order it. That number is 877-627-5065, 877-627-5065. Or you can order just online yourself. And uh, Gary's, what is, I don't even go there. Is that Gary's products? Anyhow, um, you can order it or call Neil in the Vitamin Closet. He's there Monday to Saturday, noon to 8 at 646-926-5430, or go visit him. So when those 150 are gone, and they'll be gone the next couple of days, then we've got a period of time, we've got to wait till the new product comes in. But at least these are some of the issues I have to deal with in life you don't know about. You know, How do I keep the finest quality products from around the world meeting my standards? How do I keep a flow of them? Because you've seen over the last five years or four years, 
I've been out of different products for periods of time because there's just too few people growing this stuff and too great a demand. And then getting it is one thing. Getting it into the country is something else. But I've resolved that, how we're going to deal with it. So when this liquid's gone, it's gone. And uh, we'll be replacing the product with a powder, the same ingredients, by the way. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening, and have a nice day.